This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, we have one of our rare second-time guests. We have Joel D'Souza back, and he's going to tell us all about some of the new passive investments he's gotten into, some extra live-in flips he's done since we last talked, and just generally what he's doing with his portfolio and where it's going. Hey, Joel, how are you? Hey, Jordan. Thanks for having me back. Uh, Yeah. Looking forward to kind of chatting with you and catching up again. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we we talked a little bit before, and I'm really excited to talk more when we get into the episode here. Um, real quick before we get too far into it, Joel, I know we asked you this question last time, and I'm really interested to see if it's changed. What is your favorite restaurant in Austin currently? Oh uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, just this past week, uh, we went to ABBA in um, in South Congress or on South Congress. Um, yeah, it's been one. I think it opened in the pandemic. We never could go. They're always booked up. But uh, you know, being um, my wife and I, kind of being from the Middle East, um, it's good to go to a like. There are a few Mediterranean restaurants. I think the last time I recommended Shandy's, which was a Persian kebab place. So uh, yeah, ABBA is kind of like a american mediterranean fusion restaurant and even the ambience the drinks and stuff are pretty cool so yeah i think abba is a place everyone should check out just very hard to get reservations <laughs> so good though I've, I've actually been twice once we just walked up and lucked out yeah. um uh, i ate so much pita bread when we were there all, <laughs> all the different hummuses they have and yeah it's so good i love abba so yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. We, it, it lived up to the hype and, uh, you know, it was two years and then we finally, I think we went last Thursday. It was good. It's good. Definitely recommend it. Highly recommend it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Me too. I love it. Um, awesome. So real quick, before we get too far into it, Joel, can, can you just go over who you are and how you're involved with real estate investing? I know we had a quick intro there, but just let's go into it a little more in depth. Sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we, my wife and I, we bought our first home in 2008, I think, uh, right after, uh, right after the crash. And, you know, it was our first home. We bought a town home in, uh, in Virginia. We lived in the Northern Virginia area at the time. Uh, and it was way out. We couldn't afford anything like closer to DC. So this place, it was in Haymarket. We were 45 minutes away. Uh, and all our friends were like, oh, this is crazy. Why are you guys moving all the way out to the boonies? But uh, but yeah, it was just uh, it was just what we could afford. We were on a uh, single income um, at the time. My wife had just quit her job and uh, moved from Boston to Virginia, hoping to find something. But uh, unfortunately, with the uncertainty of the economy, um, she found it very hard to get back into it. So we were on just my income. So we, yeah, we landed up buying a place and, um, you know, we lived in it for a couple of years. Our family started to grow. And then, uh, then we when both her and I, we went back to school and we graduated. Uh, I did my master's. She did, uh, she got a second bachelor's and then 
she got into tech as well. She was in um, an econ major mm-hmm. and political science minor, and then she switched to tech because uh, I was in tech, right? From uh, I did electrical and computer engineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she liked the work that I did and I went to school, I was doing my master's. So she just kind of in the same, we went to George Mason university and we both were in school together. I think we had two kids at the time. So it was you wow. know, just like shuffling back and forth. And we were, I started, I was working full time. Then eventually she started work as well. Uh, and then, yeah, when we could afford, we moved closer to the city to Chantilly, like close to Fairfax, if, if you guys know, but. Um, closer just to open up more job opportunities for the kids for school and those kind of things. Uh, so we moved into a bit of a fixer upper, got a decent deal on it. Again, no idea about like, you know, uh, we're first generation in the States. So, you know, my, my wife's parents have lived here. They bought a home, but they lived in it for like 15 years since when they moved. Uh, for me, I came here only to study and had to kind of feel my way around and you know, learn everything myself. So uh, managing money and all of that. So, um, yeah, so we landed up buying and then with the, with our town home, we were like, all right, what do we do? Uh, sell it or rent it. And then, you know, just, I guess the thing of growing up was just like never to sell real estate, just mm-hmm. keep it as long as you can. So we're like, all right, let's try renting it out. And it was kind of a class A neighborhood. So we were getting, uh, we landed up living in this new house and we rented it out for two years. We were getting class A tenants, class A tenants, very picky about smells and appliance, um, you know, the type of appliances they, they wanted, like lion and wolf. And I'm like, oh, wow. It's, it's an 1800 square foot town home. That was our first tenant it's, coming in. And I, mean, I thought class A rent at least. Yeah, the rent was really good. We were we yeah. were cash flowing almost. I mean, our I think our interest rate was pretty low, but yeah, we were cash flowing decent on a on the town home. Um, you can't so, do that anymore. No, <laughs> yeah. especially not if you buy it as an investment. Maybe if you do it, buy it as a you know as a primary, live it in a couple of years. And, mm-hmm. But yeah, as an investment, not any not in Austin at least, and even in Virginia, I have a buddy who uh, sells real estate. We tried, it's nothing. Uh, but yeah, so we became accidental landlords and uh, we thought class A tenants were uh, were difficult and, you know, just meeting those kind of requests, but, you know, no maintenance, no headaches, but it was too much for us, right? With our young family and with dealing with our house that we were in was really tricky. But then we decided to move to Austin and we were like, all right, we, we plan to sell both of the homes and uh, the the home we were in was about 27, 28 years old. Um, it was in a nice neighborhood though. Yeah. So the basement was not done up. So we just consulted um, a realtor and he was like, hey, you know, just finish up your basement, add square footage, do whatever. So so kind of, I managed that whole process and, you know, um, my wife and I, and, you know, she picked the materials, did the design bit. I did the planning and worked with the contractors. We did it up and then we saw, uh, we landed up putting it on market. We you know, we had it done up really well. We staged it, took in really nice pictures and drone footage and all kinds of stuff. It was like, mm-hmm. I think it would be when we bought it, it was a 3,600 square foot. We bumped it up to 55. We added about 2,000 square feet. Wow, um, that's a lot. That's a uh, yeah. Lot. And yeah, we added a basement. Uh, we cut out a window. Uh, yeah, it was a, 
big, big mess. But yeah, from a five bedroom, made it a six bedroom. So it added a tremendous amount of value, added a bathroom. It was it was like a three month project, but we had to do it quick to get on market. Mm-hmm. That was just 2018. Uh, but yeah, we landed up, uh, we made a decent chunk of change over there. And then we were like, oh, this is interesting that mm-hmm. just organically we kind of you know were able to she has a good design sense i'm good at you're kind of working with contractors building rapport and just uh getting things done in time um yeah so then then when we moved to austin initially we were just like oh we took all the money and just put it in the house and we're like nope not dealing with tenants didn't want to deal with them but then as uh, then i read uh rich at poor dad and i was like Mm -hmm. just that concept of entrepreneurship and just building wealth and the traditional savings way, the way my parents did it, uh, we just wasn't going to cut it. So then we changed our mindset, pulled out some, we did a cash out, bought a couple of homes. And um, then we bought in class B, C-ish neighborhoods, mm-hmm. uh, which we still have those. And then, yeah, we kind of saw that that worked. And so you, from you that started point, with mm-hmm. the live-in flips. And so yeah. you, you live-in flips a great way to build a lot of equity. And there's a lot of tax yeah. advantages of doing yep, that. Yep, exactly. Too. Um, did you live in the first live-in flip for two years? Hey, guys. This is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing. And I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. Yep. Yeah. So that's the thing. It just kind of organically happened where we were oh, like, yeah. we, were kind of, we were talking to our tax consultant. We were like, oh my God, we're going to, you know, this is how much our value has gone up. But we're going to, he was like, how long have you lived there? And it was, this was March. And he was like, in May, you complete two years. Just try to <laughs> delay it. And I was like, Stay, we did not even yeah. plan that. Yeah. We did not even plan it. So we were like, okay, I mean, 45 to 60 day to close or whatever. We'll just go to market and tell them we have to close on May 31st so that mm-hmm. we land up being, so that, that's when we started looking at tax laws and deductions. And then that's the thing, like, you know, when we grew up, uh, financial literacy was something that wasn't really taught to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we're learning that and we're trying to instill and teach our kids. So my 10 year old actually comes with me. She's shown interest in it. So she comes with me to showings. So we manage our own property. So I take her with me. She helps me. She talks to some of the tenants sometimes with like showing them around the house and talking. Oh, to. So, cool. yeah. And, you know, just give her some pocket money to spend the day with me and help me clean out the house and stuff mm-hmm. like that when we are getting it rent ready. Um, so, yeah, it's something we've just kind of, you know, it's something that fit our lifestyle with the passive investing where we mm-hmm. are able to talk to our children about it and, um, you know, just tell them about how, why we're doing it and why, mm-hmm. yes, we have to deal with it. So right now I just filed, uh, on one of our properties, our tenants haven't paid for four months, just wow. filed an eviction. Really? Yeah. I just filed an eviction yesterday and, and, you know, sent out notice the week before. So kind of explained, she overheard the conversation. She was like, Hey, why are you kicking out our tenants? And I was like, nope, they, we have a relationship with them for four years and gave them a chance and they're just struggling to pay. And right now they're not answering my calls and this and that. So I was like, we have to go forward with this. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it's a good, they, you know, for them, it's like good and even she's like, oh, dad, you're being the bad guy. You're kicking people out. They're going to be, home. I was like, no, no, it's not like that. We work with them. We try to give them a heads up but you know some folks it's hard it's a tough time right now in the economy we get it which is why we try to work with them 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just love the fact that, you know, we're able to at least kind of teach our kids that and, you know, teach them about like basics, assets, liabilities, mm-hmm. how to grow wealth and, you know, those kind of things. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of us in a nutshell. So we landed up, um, you know, flipping the second. So when we were more aware, the second uh, when we moved to Austin, we did it again. <laughs> we mm-hmm. uh, we landed up living for exactly 24 months and then we moved and right now we're in uh, in Leander. So uh, technically we could do it again, but uh, I am done moving. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we've just built a, a ton of equity. Yeah, it's a lot. But I mean, I think that there's so much power in that. So I know so many people, how they mm-hmm. got started in real estate investing was utilizing their, their primary residences as mm-hmm. some sort of investment. And it's, it's so easy to overlook that. I mean, obviously, there's the house hacking strategy where you buy a duplex right. or a single family and you rent out all the space you're not using. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that say, hey, I can't do that or I'm not willing to do that or whatever it is. But there's so many other strategies. You know, you, like you said, you you were almost an accidental landlord. You moved out of your town home and just kept it and you keep that as a rental. Or you do the live and flip where you move in, you fix it up, you live in it for two years, you sell it, yeah. you're tax free. You can then reinvest that. So, Joel, where are you at today? What do you have here in Austin? And what sort of investments have you made to date here? I know last time we talked, you had a few single families and you'd just gotten into passive investing too. Yeah, so we had gotten into one deal. um, So we're we're heavily, heavily invested right now in Texas, mainly in like in central Texas, in the Austin area. So mm-hmm. uh, we have uh, three long-term single families um, that we manage ourselves. Like, I mean, we bought one more in the pandemic, so kind of got it at kind of at an inflated rate, but the interest rates were low. So it's it's okay. It's, it's, it's cash flowing, not a hell of a lot, but it's okay to just keep it in our portfolio. Um, yeah. But uh, passive investors, so we... You know, uh, we have uh, we've invested in a land deal in Del Valley. Again, unfortunately, it was in the peak, but commercial hasn't gotten hit as bad. It just right now they're finding it the 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 GP, the general partners are finding it hard to exit. We're we're limited partners on the deal. What was the what was the business plan for the land deal? Uh, it was just buy. It was more of acquisition hold for a year for tax reasons and, you know, just kind of pull some light, like light permits, some design, like figure out, you know, the, the concentration of what can be built on what parcels of land. It was, I believe it was 120 acres in Del Valley. So um, yeah. And then the plan was to sell, but unfortunately with high interest rates right now, compressed rates, um, uh, compressed set, like values basically. Um, they the the GP is finding it hard to sell for what they wanted to. We could still turn a profit, but I think they just want more, uh, which is understandable. So yeah, we're just like, hey, you know, exactly. So we're yeah. I mean, you know, when you're talking in the millions, it's like you know, five to six million makes a huge difference. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, anyway, so the, the, there's the Dell Valley. We just got in on a deal in Kyle, which is I think eighty. Let's see, 80 acres. I can't remember. 75 to 80 acres. Again, same thing. It's like, uh, but but this particular um, gentleman, I've worked with him. I have a working relationship for about four years, uh, and I, I think he wants to like zone and develop on it as well. And he, you know, they basically have a bill for rent model. So they build a bunch of like single families, multi families, 
uh, and then he wants to keep part of it and then sell the rest, uh, oh. I guess. And I think he's trying to build it for himself. Uh, and then the other one, which the project is um, almost complete, is one a single family in on the at the MLK Junior stop, mm-hmm. uh, the rail. I don't know if you've seen it. So we invested in that uh, high rise out there. So that's almost complete. Uh, I think they're at eighty or ninety percent occupancy. And again, they wanted to sell it, but uh, to like Graystar, one of the big management companies. Oh, so it's but- a multifamily. It's a multifamily. Like, yeah, most of these are, so the bill for rent are mostly multifamily plays. Mm-hmm. And uh, only the one land deal that we have is kind of, uh, they wanted to hold it for a period of time. But it just, right now, just with the timing, there's nothing, like, they don't have a development. Uh, they, they don't have an aspiration to develop on it or the expertise, probably. So they're just yep. waiting to sell, to find the right yeah. buyer. So, yeah, those are the deals that we're in. And yeah, just constantly kind of looking at, but right now, again, with the market, the way it is, I want to sit a little bit on cash and mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of a little uncertainty, right? With high values and high interest rates. So, And how did you find, I know you said you recently bought a single family, but how did you find these passive investments? So when we talked first that you've done one, um, if I'm, the land deal, I guess you'd done mm-hmm. when we first yeah. talked. How did you find these next two? I think that's a question a lot of people have is like, hey, where do I find these? And they're really yeah. cool. And some of them are awesome and great returns and you do nothing. Yeah. 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 I mean, but there is a risk involved, right? Oh, like when you're absolutely. when you're putting, yeah, th- because you have zero control over it. But mm-hmm. I think it's something that's worked for my wife and I. So finding someone that you can trust, obviously, and you have a working relationship, which is hard unless you're in it. So I, I used to go to a meetup uh, pre-pandemic. Uh, and they're just networking. So with syndication, it's actually essential on how you meet the general partner, right? Or how you meet the um, the sponsor of the deal. Um, Which meetup was that? Is it still going? It is. Um, I believe it's the commercial one at Ka- Casa Chapala. Uh, oh, the commercial the com- investors lunch? Yes, correct. Yeah, yes, that's, that's the one. one. Yeah, that's the one I met. Uh, this particular gentleman who works for a larger development firm and but the land deal I got in he he was doing this on his own because I have a working relationship he's like hey this is my first deal do you want to get in on it and I was like yeah sure um nice. but yeah so it's it's essential how you meet because I think there's the whole idea of sophisticated versus accredited investor and then how you're introduced to someone is essential so I have a work if I was a syndicator I know you at a certain professional capacity. So I can approach you with a deal, but if you refer me to someone, I can't take that at face value. I need you you need to properly introduce me to the person and you know, but but also me as a sponsor, I can approach I, I think I can't remember what the actual term is, but I can approach like I can solicit basically and just like Hey, investors, like on your podcast, and be like, "Hey, I have this deal. Give me a call, and we we can do that." So there are certain type of sponsors can that can do that, mm-hmm. or on the other extreme, it's you just approach friend, friends and family and raise money. And I think that's yeah. essential from a you know if the person tries to sue you and it's like, "Hey, I haven't got my money back," and then it's like, "How did you meet the person?" I think that becomes a bit of a legal thing. Oh, but yeah. yeah, for me, it's just yeah through networking events and understanding that if I put money into this, there's a potential I could lose all of my capital. Oh, yeah. 
but there's a there's a really good upside too right um, you know i i think you know those sec exemptions are really important to understand for people that are going to go raise money and you definitely want to talk to an sec attorney about them i'm not an sec attorney i don't play one on tv Um, (laughs) but i think you're talking about the 506b Correct. Yeah. Friends, there's like 35 friends and family that are non-accredited you can bring on. And then you can bring on an unlimited number of accredited investors, but you can't advertise it. 506C, you can advertise it, but they can only be accredited. Um, Right. And when you become accredited, it's so much easier to make investments because there's so many good investments out there. But like you're saying, the 506B, they're kind of like secret good investments and you know, <laughs> yeah. the right people but you know yeah. like you're saying joel like just going to those meetups meeting people building that network eventually you you will have you'll be a sophisticated investor that knows other people with these 506b opportunities right. and you'll be able to participate of course they're going to qualify you and make sure that you actually know what you're talking about before they right. take your money because they don't want to get in trouble with the sec that's a big deal Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join GoBundance.com slash Emerge, GoBundance.com slash Emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire. Yeah, exactly. That That's the essential part. So that is something like, I mean, my wife and I have been meaning to kind of work on it and just get accredited. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, we, you know, it's kind of one of those things because you have to build trust, right? That there, I do get emails from those meetups for, you know, apartment buildings around the country and stuff like that. But somehow I don't know them on a personal level. I met them once or sure. twice. So I don't really, yes, they're working for big organizations, but I'm like, I, I have my network of like two or three GPs and sponsors that I work with here. So yeah. I'm like, I've been like kind of procrastinating, but yeah, ideally next step would be to try and get the accredited right now. I am a sophisticated investor just because I, or yeah, because I just have invested in deals. I understand how it works and I'm willing to take on the risk. Sure. And you know, again, like a, not an attorney, definitely talk to an attorney, yes. do your own research. But the best I understand, an accredited investor, to qualify as a accredited investor, all you have to do is make over $200,000 a year. It might be two fifty now for the last two years, and you expect to do that again, or have mm-hmm. over a million dollar net worth, and yeah. you don't expect that to change anytime soon. Um, so exactly. for people out there listening, like you meet that criteria, and it, it changes if you're married to, I think, with the yeah. income, not the net worth. But you might meet the accredited investor criteria and be able to participate in a lot of these deals, which, again, they're like Joel, like you were saying, like they can be great, but you can also lose all your money too. So do your due diligence. Yeah. And I, I like what you're you're talking about, Joel. Like you know these people, you know the the character, you understand is this a trustworthy person? Like I, I've known you, I've eaten with you. I, a pre-existing relationship with you for a while like that's how i like to invest is i know the person i can trust them you know yeah absolutely when you're parking away um a good chunk of change you want to know where where it's going yeah. into what's the what's the what's the play because 
with most of these other deals, they're kind of maybe could be value adds where they're, you know, buying kind of a distressed office building and then they're going to add some value, renovate it. And then, you know, but, but you don't get visibility into the actual uh, workings of it. Right. Like with, with most of these deals that we've gotten in here, yeah. One was my neighbor and uh, two are with the ones with this gentleman and ones with, I, I actually went and saw the building like mm-hmm. when it was, excavated and now it's like a high rise. So I, I work in the city. So I take the train in and I see it every day. So I'm like, all right, that's where my money went. So oh, it's really? not like, yeah. So it's, it's kind of cool to see what you're investing in as well, especially when you're getting it. Maybe eventually when we have a million dollars to throw around, then I'll be like, all right, whatever. But yeah. but for now, I'm like, I, I would, since I'm channeling the funds, uh, we, you know, and, and and the other thing is, at least for something that's worked for me and, and in terms of a sense of diversification, I don't park everything with one sponsor. I try to split the load. And even if they're like, hey, can you do a little bit more? I'm like, I could, but I don't want to. <laughs> and, and, you know, just kind of divvy it up. And just because we haven't gotten a solid return, unfortunately, yet. So, uh, but we're closing into three to four years on most of our deals. So we'll see once we once we see the returns, we'll be like, oh, this is cool. And it, it works for us as well from a tax perspective. Like we just oh, yeah. park the money in and it's, it's, it's long, anything more than a year is considered long-term. So again, folks, I'm not an yeah. attorney. Talk I'm to your tax. accountant type of deal. Exactly. Talk to your accountant, talk to your attorney. I'm, uh, I can speak for myself that this is just kind of self-taught. So I could have mm-hmm. missed a lot of details, but, um, at least it, it works for us where we just park a bunch of money. I don't mind seeing it in like two to three years. And mm-hmm. even if I don't, I ideally like to get into things that don't pay me a dividend because both my wife and I work in tech and I just don't want more income sitting on you top. You can't write it off. You don't have the real estate professional Ex- status or, or do exactly. you, you're probably pretty close. Um, I'm not active. I like, I don't have a real estate. I don't spend uh, like, I think it's, what is it? 35 to 40 hours or something. 76. Right? I think it's again, talk to an accountant. I think it's 750 yeah. hours for a yeah. year. Um, right. I know because I. the only reason I have any idea about this is because I, I am a real estate professional. Right. That's what I do all day, every day. But my business partner uh, on the single family home buying business we have was not. And we couldn't take advantage of a lot of the cost segregations and accelerated depreciation. Right. And yeah, it, it had to be a, a real estate professional. But yeah, I really like what you're saying. Like you're going and seeing these investments. You know about these investments. Right. I like to do the same thing. I was talking to somebody the other day and they're like, oh, I invest passively because I don't want to see anything about it or hear about it ever. Like that's <laughs> that's not me. Like I yeah. I invest passively sometimes, but I want to go see it. I want to know the person yeah. operating it. I want right. to being kept up or the, the build is coming along the way it should. Um, but you said you actually take the train from Leander downtown. I yeah, I take it from Lakeland to downtown. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. I mean, uh, yeah, I, the, the, I mean, Postar is a, you know, commercial real estate company, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they own a bunch of verticals. So uh, the Lands vertical, Lands.com is mm-hmm. based in Austin. So that's the vertical. Oh, um, cool. So yeah, and they're, yeah, they're right on Congress. So yeah, I take the train in and uh, it, it's a cool ride, but, you know, I get kind of lost in my thoughts. I get to listen to podcasts like the one you <laughs> like, uh, like yep. your podcast. So it's kind of cool. It's it's good reading time, podcast time, 
me time on the on the the 40 minute ride to the city yeah no that's a great way to do it you know take advantage of, uh, the they call it windshield time but you're you don't even have to drive so yeah got a, a, one of the few people who's got an arrangement where it makes sense to take the train right now here in austin and that's awesome you're taking advantage <laughs> of it yeah yeah it works it works yeah where you live like why would you drive down 183 on your own no. to get downtown rather than just take the train and, and sit and do whatever you got to do yeah, yeah, and then you know, pay for parking and stuff. So my company covers the train ride. So I'm like, I just drive there, park my car for free, and just yeah, ride the train to the city. It's That's it's a, it's a no brainer. But of course, mm -hmm. on certain days when it rains, like this morning, it was pouring, but I didn't go and I was like, I'll work from home today. So I have that flexibility, but oh, it's cool. kind of nice to kind of uh, yeah, go in once in a while, be around people, and mm -hmm. you know. Post pandemic, definitely a, a breath of fresh air. <clears throat> Absolutely. So, Joel, you, you've done a lot of real estate and different kinds of real estate investing. Obviously, you've got single family flips. You've done a lot of of live in flips. Sorry, single family rentals. You've done a lot of live in flips, and now you've done um, some passive investing. So, you've got some different ranges of experience. I'd like to. Talk to our guests. What would you say the biggest mistake is that you've made in real estate investing so far? I, I don't. I don't necessarily at this point, considering I've done my wife and I have done it for about thirteen years. Oh, nice. I don't see it as a mistake or anything as mistakes. I mm -hmm. see them as kind of learning experience. You sure, just kind of so, go and get better. Well, but yeah, exactly. What would to, you not yeah. do again that you've learned yeah, in the past? Okay. That, yeah, I, this, right. is, this is what I'm going to do yeah, going yeah. forward. Yeah, yeah. That was a very interview answer. I felt like you were interviewing me and I had to spin it off. But anyways, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah. So the the Virginia, like the property that we had, like I, like I said, I was just like, nope, not doing this, sold everything. And we got taxed like crazy. So for me right now, it's like everything from a tax perspective. And uh, yeah. Then I learned about the 1031 exchange, right? Mm -hmm. So even if I didn't want to hold on to it, it would have been nice to like save that equity, not pay the tax and kind of move uh, the asset. Um, it was a single family dwelling. We could have just bought a single family or duplex or any anything residential up to a quad. Yeah. So you uh, sold here. both at the same time, yes. both in the Virginia, and then... They only allow you to do one of, one of those one. exemptions at a time, unfortunately. Exactly. So when... I don't know. I was just like, I had way too much on my plate with the renovation where I was like, I told my wife, I was like, can you please look into the tax thing? And I mean, neither of us are tax professionals. So sure. she was just like, and we we consulted our tax professional with, I think he, sometimes tax professionals, unless they're financial advisors, yeah, don't advise. They just want to do no. your taxes and be like, hey, I saved <laughs> you a bunch of money but they don't talk about like deductions. So a lot of it is you either have to research or talk to a financial advisor who's going to look at everything. And even they're a bit like, unless they don't have the whole picture, they're not going to tell you. Yeah, so especially if they're like, uh, unless you're paying them a, uh, a round exactly, rate a or fee. something. Exactly. So yeah. So my wife kind of looked into it and she was like two years, if you've lived in the property and we, we met that criteria. So we're like, this has got to work. And, mm -hmm. but then, yeah, the thing we missed was we sold two prime because we had moved out of the old, we had lived yeah. in the old house three out of five years. Mm -hmm. So because of that, or was it two out of five years, something like that. Uh, like even if you rent it out, if you've lived in it three out of five years, yeah, something like that. But we met that criteria, even if mm -hmm. being an investment property. And of course, in our current, in, in the home that we had flipped, 
we'd lived in it for two years. So we're like, oh, this is great. But then, yes, you cannot sell a primary property for 24 months. Yeah. And again, not a tax professional, but I'm just putting it like that was the rule and we kind of missed that. So, but yeah. ideally we could have 1031. It made sense to sell our primary, but the investment, it, we would have had to realize, hey, we're selling it as an investment, just lift and shift and buy yeah. something out here in Austin. But if I have to think back, it would be that. Um, Single families, right? I think it's cyclical. I get burned out by man because we manage it ourselves, and it's about mm-hmm. forty-five minutes where we bought the homes. Oh, really? Um, Are they down south yeah. or something? They're out east, but they're in Huddle. Oh, Huddle. Okay. So, so yeah, they're on so, the east side of town, Europe, and we're on the west, side. northwest, exactly. So it's a bit, uh, especially when it comes to showings and stuff. But again, you know, do like I, I come very close to being like, let's sell it. Or let's get a property manager. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, that's going to, one, we're going to get tax heavily because we can't buy anything, even though yeah. they've increased in value. But, and then the second is it'll eat, in, if we get a property manager, lead into our cash flow. So I was like, mm. no, no, this is something I think we have to manage. But it, what, what it is doing also, it's helping me grow as a person. I was very, I was non confrontational mm-hmm. in, in both, I mean, more in a business set. I, I like, you know, I couldn't, I did not like people not liking me. <laughs> Couldn't sure. stand that. And you so know that you have to be the bad guy as a landlord sometimes. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. It's sometimes not, and within not a reason. Bad guy, you just yeah. have to be fair. You know, that's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like, like even dealing with this. Unfortunately, we came. Well, it was fortunate that we didn't go have to go through the eviction last year on with one of our properties. Um, the tenant was not paying, and then we kind of but. I didn't have a relationship with them long enough. It was literally in their first year by month seven, they were, oh, wow. you know, delaying payments and stuff. And then kind of work for them, you know, try to work out and be like, Hey, you guys are a month behind. I cannot do this. I cannot do this. And then I, I literally the cash for keys. And I was like, just leave. Um, oh, really? You just yeah. gave them some cash and they got just out. Just gave them some cash. And I was just like, leave. And like within three days they were out. So, because yeah. I was like, and she did not want an eviction on her record so it kind of yeah. worked out just evictions are expensive too like you got to pay a lawyer to do those a lot of times or or you got to do all the work yourself <laughs> yeah so we're, and that's the other thing so again to learn the process i'm doing myself so this one uh we thought i mean i don't know if my tenants understand what the process entails and i mean they know they don't want an eviction on record but um they were just, i mean if they're just going to squat i mean i can't and not you know, yeah. respond, not want to. So it's hard. It's, it was a very tough decision. I tried to work with them and I said, look, I know you don't want this, but yeah. they just owed us so much that I couldn't do cash for keys and like, let four. it be. So yeah, four months. Four so months. That's four wild. months. That's yeah. Like I tried grand, to, yeah. 10 grand. Pretty much eight grand. Yeah. Wow. Uh, try to work with them and with late fees. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, try to like work with them. They only made like two payments this year or so. And they kept saying, you know, we'll make the payment. We're not those kind of people. And they, they haven't been. They've never been late in four years, right? Mm-hmm. So in all fairness, I was cutting them the slack. Yeah, that's um, so, you know, uh, uh, just giving them the benefit of the doubt. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. And it just didn't work out. And eventually they were like, you know what? We'll just go to court. And that's literally the last text I received. Wow. And I was like, all right, cool. Let's let's go then. So, yeah, we filed for it. We filed the eviction. It got a proved like the court stuff so we're, we're just kind of dealing with that um i, do, I don't foresee it being 
hostile. <laughs> I hope not. But, uh, but that, that, that's the thing. That's where my growth, like there were so many times he kind of, you know, the, the tenant kind of would send me the messages like, hey, you know, stop messaging me or, you know, just kind of stern. But I was like, I would just ignore it. And, you know, but I know that's growth because four or five years ago, I would have just been like, you know, hey, you guys are late, you know, you know they just put <laughs> yeah. it on them. But I was like, you know what? I get it. It's a it's a stressful situation yeah. for them. Yeah. I can potentially take the hit and it's fine. But, you know, it's a sucky situation to be in, right? They, they, I think they just had a grandchild. And so, you know, just knowing a lot of their personal stuff, I was just like cutting them a lot of slack. And yes, four months was people, you know, business folks are going to be like, that is crazy. And I get it. But just trying to get some humanity into it. Yeah, you I didn't want. They've been your friends for four years. Sounds like exactly. We had a good. We had a good working professional relationship, and you know they always deposited check checks in time. Neverly, I never had to remind them. And and these were our tenants that we inherited from the prior landlord. So on paper, I would never pick these folks but it changed my perspective to say people change but yeah i mean unfortunately we are going through a time right now so i wouldn't pin it to them changing as people but i think it's the economy the the, the husband's in construction and the wife works at walmart so i mean i think they're just struggling to make ends meet and you just kind of got to work with them but if not um you know kind of have to push through but uh but yeah i mean point being is I feel like I've grown. So single family, even though I would probably say, hey, you know, single family suck and it's such a management headache. But, you know, I know at some point really it's just me being like, uh, you know, like honing in on the situation yeah, right now and being like, it right now. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because it was literally from one tenant um, with one almost going to eviction to one of our tenants saying we're moving out. So I had to go there and do the showings and stuff. It took a little longer to rent. And literally I signed the lease and then these four, the, the third property started uh, with, uh, you know, delayed rents and no, no, no rent payments. And I was just like, Oh my God, like what are the odds that for the first few years of owning this, not, not much happened. It was just like a broken AC, yeah, a fence easy. fell down. Yeah. And now it's just like all three are just giving me the runaround. Just well, like, maybe you'll have another good three years after this too. So you got it out of the way. <laughs> I hope so. I so, hope so. I hope so, man. So, so, Joel, what's next for you? It's you know, it sounds like you've done a lot. You know, you've done your living flips. You've done the single family. You've done some passive investing. Well, where are you going next? Jordan Moorhead here. Really quickly, wanted to tell you a couple other ways you can keep track of us. If you want to listen to all these podcasts and ask questions, the Moorhead team on YouTube is the best place to be. And then Austin Real Estate Investors on Meetup is a great place to keep track of all of our meetups we have going on. So um, uh, we've been wanting to get into short-term, um, short-term rentals and Airbnbs, uh, but just the uncertainty, well, obviously interest rates and uh, prices, we start, we were actively looking for like two months now and mm -hmm. all around the country. We were looking in Tennessee, the Smokies, we were looking around Disney and in Orlando. Uh, we were looking in Colorado and patches and uh, near the Rockies and stuff. So oh. we looked around, connected with agents, but the returns just weren't, they just didn't, unless you were going to a very high price point where you were willing to park away maybe 
quarter of it, like 250 to 300,000. Yeah. Right. The, the high price million plus property. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so the price points that we were looking at, because we didn't want to park away a ton of funds into it. So we were, yeah, we just looked into it and yeah, the numbers just didn't make sense. Like the returns weren't as much, so as much as we wanted to diversify into it and, you know, get into a short term, the numbers just didn't make sense right now, at least with the, you know, home prices are still pretty high. Interest rates are very, very high. I think they're pretty at their high. Well, let's see. I don't know. They, they, the feds keep talking about another uh, rate hike. So who knows? But, um, but yeah, it's reached like oh six, oh seven um levels, right? Like seven, eight yeah. percent, which is kind of crazy considering just a year ago is at like three and a half, three percent or whatever. There are people a year ago that were getting under under three percent on primary residence rates. And now yeah, yeah you're like so, you're right, it feels extremely high. And I know you always talk to people, they say, Well, in the eighties, yeah, like, yeah like, well, in the eighties, houses weren't this expensive either. So right. I don't know. I think, uh, and you also kind of mentioned like nobody really knows where interest rates are going yeah. this year. Um, there's a camp that says, Hey, they're going up. There's a camp that say, Hey, give it a few months. Yeah. They're going yeah. down. I think you just got to make it work for you right now at that interest yeah. rate. And if it works, it works. buy it. If it goes down, refinance. Great. Refinance. But, yeah. Yeah, you just can't plan on that. You know, you just, yeah, just, yeah. just don't know. We have no idea. Absolutely. And then, yeah, I mean, if a great deal presents itself, do it. And that's my kind of philosophy. It's like, hey, if something comes up, get it. And then you can refinance it. There are a lot of, there's a lot you can do with real estate. You can get very creative with it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the cool thing. But uh, but yeah, back to the short term, it's that. And um, the uncertainty on travel, right? Like post-pandemic, I think travel just exploded. Oh, yeah. But now with uh with the quote-unquote recession which is eh, again are we in it is it about to come no one knows just looking at the stock market it's it's um you know i mean our stock portfolio is just completely yeah so it's like we don't know if we're down or if there's more to come Mm -hmm. but definitely travel could potentially get hit so high vacancies could you know with short-term rentals people not wanting to travel could impact so we were like we, as much as I really want to, and it's such a uh, very interesting space for me, and also it's kind of passive, right? Like you know, other than some uh, some sort of high level decision making, if you have a good property manager, you don't really have to do that much other than deploy your funds and then kind of get the returns, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that's something um, we we were really really looking into, uh, maybe to pick up like one or two short term rentals. Um, but yeah, I think for now, just passive investing, commercial hasn't been hit as hard. So, you know, um, syndicators could be picking up good deals right now. Yeah. Uh, especially with that last land deal to make up for the crap, well, potentially crappy deal last year. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, not not as a, as a general partner, I still don't think I'm there yet. So it'll probably just be either short term, keep looking, or... Um, just get into passive syndication deals yeah and i mean that's back, like i think that's the same thing like you're talking about if the deal works do it and yeah. you find a good passive investment and the partner's trustworthy and the deal looks good and you know they've got the right setup and the right structure then you know the, people are getting great deals right now because there's some people that 
that are, are not having so good a luck and they're having to get rid of great deals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you have the funding, you know, why not, right? Uh, yeah. If you have the funding and if you if you have the capital, you might as well deploy. I mean, as much as it's good to sit on cash right now as well, um, but, you know, if they're, I mean, mo- most of these, if you can take the hit and, you know, th- there's definitely money to be made, especially in the long term. And I'm pretty young, so I, I don't yeah. mind sustaining that that wave. I feel like it's an opportunity, even in the stock market right now. So. Oh, yeah. There's always opportunities. I love that. It's, it's a good yeah. outlook because there's always opportunities. And if you're always investing, you're going to have a long-term growth that looks really good. Um, yeah. And I know we asked this last time, just wanted to see if it's changed. Do you have a favorite business or mindset book that you like to recommend? Uh, I think last time I said Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I mean, that's that's a great mindset book. Uh, and lately I've been uh, reading about apartment syndication. So the uh the best book on apartment syndication that's what it's called uh, by yeah. joe fairless that's yeah, the one that's that i'm great. i'm reading yeah so um and yeah i listen to his podcast as well so uh it's a cool mindset podcast um yeah bigger pockets as well it's kind of shifted into a, a complete mindset so yeah right now it's a lot of just mindset on how i can improve and um, i'm trying to set up for the next chapter you know in in uh, in my life to kind of hopefully at some point become a syndicator and uh you know maybe in the next two to three years yeah um but yeah I, those are the books i'd kind of recommend well i think you, you know you hear everybody's story and a lot of people start passive and then they get active i think it's a great way to learn how to become a general partner is be a limited partner see how the general yeah. partners do it yeah, absolutely. Like learning how to pitch deals and understanding the numbers, how folks position the deal to make it, you know, as an LP, like, hey, this is how much you're going to make. And this is what the great opportunity I have. So, yeah, it's good right now to view it from that because I know going into it, like, you know, most folks just like, hey, yeah, keep pitching me deals. But I'm reading it like that where I'm like, let me see how they're doing it so that because I know at some because I know at some level someday i definitely want to be doing it because i feel like i like real estate enough and i feel like i can replace my tech income with syndication i think there's oh, a decent amount of money to be made as uh, you know just like with the management fees and stuff like that initially it's like oh yeah how much can you make but after reading the book and breaking down a couple of deals i think i can replace but it's the the lead time going into it, you know, there's a, there's a bit of legwork up front, which oh, yeah. again with the young family is kind of kind of tricky, and it is a high risk, right? It is a, mm-hmm. especially also with the economy with the way it is. We have pretty happy-go-lucky, chill tech jobs where I can yeah. work from home whenever. I could shut off and do a podcast right in the middle of the day, uh, you know. Bad. So it, it's kind of yeah, it's it's kind of a sweet gig to walk away from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I know eventually, like the, the, my my goal in, in my philosophy right now in life is just I want to free up my time to spend time with my family. So yeah, nothing more I think real estate that. is the way to go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And a lot of people, you know, the the reason they get into real estate investing is because they want to buy their time back, so they can do things like yeah. spend time with their family, which is what really matters. Um, yeah. Well, is there a best way for people to get a hold of you or to follow you? Just learn more about what you're doing. Um, so I don't, I don't have a social platform to 
market my stuff. I'm not there yet. Like I'm not doing anything like fix and flips actively or anything like that. But yeah, if anyone wants to connect my Handle on Instagram is jjdsouza25. That's jjdsouza25 uh, on Instagram. And yeah, I mean, it's more personal right now, nothing professional. But if you, if anyone wants to connect, have uh, questions, you know, feel free to reach out. And uh, Jordan, I think uh, you, if you want to include my email, but it's joel.dsouza at uh, atxdsouzaproperties.com. I think it is, but, uh, but yeah, you feel free to, you can include my uh, email, I guess, in the show notes, but uh, cool. if anyone wants to reach out. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll get that in there. And you're at JJ D'Souza 25, J J D S O U Z A 25 on Instagram. I'm at Jordan underscore Moorhead on Instagram. Sure. Make sure to give Joel a follow and follow me there too. Joel, thanks so much for coming back on here again you've made so much progress in just the year i think year and a half since we talked first i'm excited to have you back on here in another year and see where you're at awesome thanks man thanks for having me on absolutely thanks for coming